Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm No Struck by and joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson, and friend to the show, weekly guest, my man, Nick Martin. Find us on youtube.com slash all Steelers Talk and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. It is a gloomy. I don't I want to say good, but it's not. It's rainy. It stinks outside. It stunk since the second I've woken up. This is fall. This is what we can expect until it starts snowing, and then it'll be sunny again come, like, I don't know, June, maybe the end of May. It'll be all right. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they're dealing with some injuries, but they're heading to L.A. with a chance to continue this and kind of build a winning streak against the 3-3 three and three Los Angeles Rams in Week 7. We'll talk about the injuries. We'll dive into what the offense can improve on and maybe some positions they can make some changes at. Our keys to victory, and as always, our picks for week seven Pittsburgh Steelers versus Los Angeles Rams. Steven, I'll start with you. Uh, how you feeling, my friend? Feeling good. A little jealous of the Steelers. You get to uh, ditch this weather and head out to LA, but uh, excited to have, have them back on the field and, and get to talk about some, some real football again. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ice Cube is playing at halftime. That's two games. Ooh. That's two games this season where I've told myself, nah, I don't want to fly. I'm just going to, I'm going to hang back. I missed Little Wayne and Ice Cube. I'm uh I'm definitely pissed. Over oh, two. Yeah, it's been it's yeah. I'm not. I don't want to get into it. It's been very upsetting. Very upsetting. Uh, Nick, my man, how we feeling, my friend? I'm feeling about as good as you can feel, uh, considering we're about to watch Matt Canada's offense again this week. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, um, two. but uh, I'm always looking forward to watching the defense make some make some plays and you know keep this keep keep this game within a relative um winning distance because man they sure do a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to this team nowadays yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. i was uh i was talking with mason cole and jim wexel who we'll talk about here in a second and wex asks he goes did you have a you have success stories horror stories against aaron donald and mason cole just laughed he goes no i just have horror stories it's aaron donald (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's uh that's probably right the defense hopefully comes through and produces another game i expect to see a lot of joey porter jr in this one uh i think patrick peterson said more than once that he expects to see a lot of joey porter jr in this one but we will start with a major defensive injury tj watt did not practice on thursday because of a heel injury uh, I, I do not know the severity of it as of right now. It kind of came as a surprise. Nobody even realized he was out there. I will say that I saw TJ walking around the locker room afterwards, and he was just 
chilling in a hoodie and a sweatshirt look totally fine. I feel like typically when guys are dealing with something serious, they try to avoid the locker room. They don't want to be in there when the media is in there just because they, they understand what comes with that. They understand anything could be reported. So they try to clear out of there. This one, I don't think anybody noticed he wasn't on the field. And then we saw him in the locker room, which in my opinion could be a good sign, but we'll know more before Sunday. Either way, if he does not play, Meanwhile, Nick Herbig dealing with the groin injury has been limited all week, so you don't know the status of him. How significant of a loss could this be to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, Nick, we'll, we'll start with you. Are, are you optimistic for TJ? And if he doesn't play, how much faith do you have in Marcus Golden? Um, when it comes to TJ's injury, I'm not too concerned because this is just a new thing that popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, unlike Pat Fryermuth, who we'll get to, you know. But when we talk about um, – you know, the type of impact that TJ Watt brings, like he's that guy consistently around the yes. ball, consistently making the game winning strip sack. Like he is that player. That's the type of guy that they need to win a game like this against the Rams, who are a respectably good football team mm-hmm. in, a, in many aspects, especially with their young players. And of course, their veteran quarterback, Matthew Stafford, who I'm I'm always I'm always I always love watching his game. And uh, but. Yes, um, they need T.J. Watt, absolutely. And if they don't have him, Marcus Golden, the thing unlike past um, third edge rushers that they've had behind T.J. Watt is um, they have a guy who can not only be serviceable against the run in Marcus Golden and be a decent enough pass rusher, they also have that change of pace guy in Nick Herbig if he can play. If he can play, yeah. Yes, but also... I feel I feel okay about him. I I I think this I think this is going to end up being a whole nothing burger, but I've been wrong before. Yeah, I, I mean, we all have. I I'm I'm wrong pretty much every week on this show, so I I've never I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> That's cuz you let me be wrong and you're just like, yeah, no, let you could say yeah, you that. should I'm try not. you should try it more often. It's yeah. a good strategy. It's Yeah, yeah I will. I will actually move <laughs> forward. Yeah, I don't know uh how nervous I am about TJ. Uh Steven asked the same question to you. How much faith you got in Marcus Golden, bigger question here. Okay. TJ does not play. Eight sacks on the season, 22 and a half sacks for the record. I, Pat McAfee promised 500 grand. So I don't know. I, for TJ, that's nothing. For me, I'm I'm walking out there one foot. I don't care. I'm playing a game <laughs> for $500,000 million or $500, to a charity. Uh, you think that he, uh, if he doesn't play, you think he's uh, still on pace to, to break the record here? Oh yeah, I think so. I think he's gonna honestly. He might like smoke the record. I think he's really. I think it's not gonna be a problem for him. Um, because there's gonna be another game where he gets like three or four. Honestly, yeah. like if we're being real, like he's he's gonna beat someone up. Um, so I'm not worried about that at all. It is a little bit of a bummer. Uh, for this injury to pop up this late in the week. Um, we were on such a good pace. We were on such a good track with you know Dan Moore coming back and Deontay coming back. Pat seemed like Pat Fryermuth, we're gonna talk about him in a minute, but he seemed like he was on his way back. Anthony McFarland just this team was slowly becoming more whole uh mm-hmm. after a pretty rough start. And so this just kind of puts a damper on things. Uh I think it's even more of uh it's a little it's more concerning with, with Herbig's injury. Um that's just a huge hit to your depth. But yeah. I kind of do have a little bit of faith. I have, I have faith in Marcus Golden. I think, you know, this is the exact scenario that you go out and get a guy like Marcus Golden for, um, a veteran pass rusher, a guy who has experience, a guy who is capable of stepping in uh, as a starter if you need him, has experience there. Uh, so I think he's played well in spots. This will be a bigger challenge to do it for 
a full four quarters, assuming that TJ doesn't play. But I, I'm fairly confident that that Marcus Golden will be will be fine. But obviously, you lose like you know some game changing playmaking ability when when TJ is not out. Yeah, it's as it's as hard as it gets to replace TJ Watt. But have, having Alex Highsmith on the other side certainly helps. Marcus Golden, huge upgrade over a guy like Malik Reed. Jameer Jones, Derek Tushka. I mean, you get the list has been rough and long and miserable, but they're at a point now where you feel confident in it. Uh, some guys who, you know, there were a lot of people in my DMs throughout the summer asking me, hey, you know, what's your thoughts on David Perales? Is he going to be a guy? Is he a name to watch? Is he going to make this roster? Ended up on the practice squad. Could be a guy that gets a call up this weekend. That would be, I think, exciting to to some guys out there. I don't even know what to expect from him, but it would be a good opportunity for an undrafted guy who had a pretty impressive college career. The more concerning injury as of right now is tight end Pat Fryermuth, who was limited in practice on Thursday after being a full participant throughout the week because of a hamstring injury that kept him out of week five. And then obviously the bye week. He's uh, I want to say I want to say it was a setback. I don't know for certain what happened, but at this point, it's a big question mark whether or not he plays Jim Wexler, 247 sports said that he's not very confident in uh, in Pat's status for Sunday's game. That could be concerning. Uh, Nick, your thoughts, if Pat can't go, how confident are you, are, how confident are you in Connor Hayward, Darnell Washington? How big of a blow is this to uh, the Steelers' offense? I think if the tight end was used more in the passing game, this would be a bit more concerning. But yeah. I like Connor Hayward's ability to be able to step up in the receiving game. And then obviously Darnell Washington can do quite a bit as a blocker. Yeah. Um, I would like to almost limit him, though, more out of, out of the receiving game because aside from being able to stretch the seam, which he can do, he can't really break down and, you know, be able to, you know, be able to manipulate defensive backs on like crossing routes or even yeah. like stopping routes. Like that's not, that's not his game, but like, you know, we see the aspect of his blocking and that's absolutely like, and something, you know, that definitely helps to have, especially with Connor Hayward, just being a good enough receiver as a tight end. So I'm not too worried about it, but I do think that not having Pat Fryermuth, you know, no matter no matter who you have, it still sucks because, you know, the injury, you never like seeing a hamstring reoccur during the, the week leading of practice because that usually means a pretty bad setback in, in the overall terms. And um, I, I, I respect Jim Wexel and he probably has very accurate sources on this. So I yeah. would be a little bit concerned on uh, yeah. his availability this week. I agree. I agree. I, I look at, I walk past, Pat in the locker room yesterday. I said, yo, what's good, dog? He said, what's up, dude? And that was it. We gave a little fist bump, kept going. I thought that was enough for me to know, hey, we're going to be fine. You would let me know if you're not going to play on Sunday. Apparently, it, I, I misinterpreted the conversation. Uh, I should have more information by Sunday. I, I think that I, I would say it's, it's probably going to be a game time decision, something that, uh, you know, at this point, we don't really know, but could be a big loss. Steven, your thoughts, uh, Darnell Washington's blocker, Connor Hayward, you know, in, in Pat's last game out, he catches three receptions, 23 yards serviceable. Is it a guy that, you know, do you have enough confidence in Connor Hayward at this point to say that's yeah, not such a significant step down for the offense? Yeah. And I think mostly because of the point that, that Nick made, uh, which I thought was a good one is that 
tight end's not been a super huge part of the passing offense so far. Um, no. Not really no. at all. So I'm not super concerned in that sense. Like in the short term, I think Connor Hayward can can give you what you need from from the tight ends in the passing game. And then obviously Darnell Washington is the, the best blocker on the team, so you can fill in that way. It makes you a little bit more predictable, but... I don't know. I, I think it'll be fine. I don't think it'll be I don't think it'll have a major impact on this game. I'm just yeah. a little bit more concerned about the long term effects of of a hamstring injury for Pat Farm Youth and a setback in that sense because I don't think it's the type of thing where you could roll out Connor Hayward and Darnell Washington for a whole season as your as your quote unquote starting tight ends and feel yeah. feel really comfortable with it, about that and feel like you're in a good spot to compete uh down the stretch of the season. But for one game I think they can get away with it, and I think it'll be fine. Uh, you just obviously think about the long-term effects of it. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a blow to the development of the offense, obviously. You know, if you want Kenny and everybody to take a step forward and continue to gradually grow, which I expect, you know what I mean? The Pittsburgh Steelers are an 18-hole golf, uh, golf team, I would say, and, and they're about to hit the back nine, which is when they play their best, their best football, their best golf. I uh, don't want to see it affect anything long term I think it does hurt the offense as a whole but for right now short term not super concerned about the injury uh kind of stinks that Pat Farmuth has fallen into a spot in this offense where you're not super concerned about it but it's also good that they have the depth pieces that you do uh that you do feel confident in we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I want to turn the page here to this weekend. The Pittsburgh Steelers return from the bye week. Okay? Plenty of question marks. I think... We took the bye week and everybody kind of settled down. You know, the tempers, everybody's like, all right, you beat Baltimore, cool. Three and two, two and oh in the AFC North. Everything's fine. Let's let's relax. Nobody needs to be freaking out for two weeks before the Pittsburgh Steelers step foot on a football field again. Nick, you took that time to do a deep dive into the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, and you said, screw being being calm. I'm gonna name everything that is wrong with this offense, and we're gonna talk about how we can improve it. You came up with a, a pretty good list, very good deep dive. You guys, everybody can check that out at allsteelers.com. If you could pinpoint one, two, couple of things that you would like the Pittsburgh Steelers offense to improve on, that you think that they could improve on, what would those things be and how quickly you know, would you like to see them happen? So I'll just uh, break down a few things. Um, one, I want to see better blocking personnel overall. Like a lot of times they're asking Allen Robinson to make these ridiculous blocks as a, as a yeah. wide receiver, almost like a Suedo tight end. And a lot of times you, you see like the Rams, they use Puka Nakua. They'll, they'll slide him in motion or they'll play him tight to the line and then they'll have him block. I kind of want to see them use George Pickens a little bit more yes. in that role or maybe get Jalen Ward on the field and have him like get involved in that because he is like one of the best like blockers on the team, period. Not just as a pass protector. He can get going if you just give him a runway. And that's what I'm that that's something that I think could work. They've been doing experimenting a little bit with Connor Hayward on, with that. Um, they've had some big success, but but um, it's definitely like overall like something like to look for and yeah. in terms of blocking personnel i'm also talking about like the offensive line i think center 
is something that they should have addressed a long time ago and they should have moved James Daniels. The moment the moment he signed with this team, James <laughs> Daniels should have been the center. That's what should have happened because then yeah. Kevin Dodson could have played his normal position of right guard and everything could have been just great. He could have still been on the team. Obviously, Kevin Dodson revenge game this week, so we're going yep. to talk a little bit about that, yes. obviously. But, you know... I want to see what Nick Nate Herbig has to offer at guard because right now Mason Cole is not just a disaster in what he's being asked to do of being unrealistic when it comes to being able to reach three techniques because he just doesn't have the athleticism to do it. And for the Steelers, for some reason, just don't want their guards to stick just a little bit longer to their blocks and help him out. God forbid, I, God forbid <laughs> I'd ask them about that. But um, <laughs> like at this point, move Daniels to center and ha- have him do the freaky, unrealistic things that uh, yes. you're asking Mason Cole to do. But also, you know, Mason Cole's been a disaster in pass protection. He, he yes. he's, I, I like what he offers as a leadership position on this team because, you know, obviously he cares about the offense. He wants to see it improve. He was in meetings, you know, with, with Najee Harris, like looking over the film. So obviously Mason Cole brings a very, like, veteran leadership to the team, but he's a disaster on the on the playing field right now. Yeah. So I want to see that change. But also I didn't touch on this in my article. Dan Moore um was not great to start the season. And no. we saw Project Jones come in and play some very respectful football. There's obviously still going to be growing pains with him. I was a I was I was, you know, one of the people who said Project Jones should sit and wait you know, let him develop because, you know, it's going to be a trial by fire. They've gotten past a lot of the bad part of the schedule at this point. I think they need to just let Broderick Jones play because obviously, like, I don't know that they should keep playing Dan Moore at this point because he's just been unable to fix his speed, his issues with speed to power when it comes to just being able to anchor down. And that is just a concerning aspect of his game. Yeah, definitely something to have to address. I didn't really touch on it in my article because I thought, hey, the Steelers are going to start Project Jones. They're yeah, just yeah, playing yeah. us. No, uh, I guess I, <laughs> I guess I should have taught, touched on that. But um, also yeah. one quick thing, you know, Miami, they're breaking records when it comes to op- offensive football. They're using this thing called what Kyle Shanahan calls a cheat motion. He calls it cheat. Mm-hmm. So basically you short fast motion your player like um laterally and then you kind of just get them into a running start before this as as the snap goes off and it really is actually like really good for guys like Tyree Kill because this is why Kyle Shanahan calls it cheap because it's like you, getting you know those types of guys like that running head start that's just a terrifying ordeal and they tried it once with Calvin Austin it actually could have worked but Kenny Pickett missed him right behind him and misplaced the ball. And then they were just like, ah, it doesn't work. Let's throw yeah. it out. <laughs> it's done. It's done. I agree. I, I, Kenny, uh, that, that, that play as a whole had some potential did. And, and you could even ask, I mean, Al, Alan Saunders of Steelers now did a, a deep dive into that and said like, yeah, they're still working on it. Yeah. I'd like to see it in a game before uh, we could talk about if it's actually happening. The, uh, the Jalen Warren thing, I'll start there. I, I was talking to Jalen the other day. Anthony McFarlane comes up behind me. Their lockers are next to each other. And he starts going, 
Yo, this guy, best blocker in the NFL, best, best pass blocker. He starts yelling it. And I was just like, all right. And Jalen starts laughing. And I was like, all right. And he just like kind of laughed and shook his head. He's like, I'm a little guy. You know what I mean? I'm just it's easy. And, uh, <laughs> just a little guy. I'm just, just a little guy. <laughs> just a little guy. A little muscle hamster. Um, I agree. That would be phenomenal. If you could put Jalen Warren on like a, like a, just like you said, like get him on a line, let him hit that crack block. Whew. I mean, it could be, remember Maurice Jones drew used to just light up guys. I yes. mean, it was more in the backfield, but I could see Jalen Warren doing the same thing. It'd be phenomenal. I let said last center. week, let him play center. I, mm-hmm. I said last week, speaking of center, that I do think it's time to move James Daniels to center and start Nate Herbig. I just think that at this point, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and it's it's the most alarming. Like you could you have your argument and it's a clear as day argument for Broderick Jones and Dan Moore just because you invested in that guy. It, it's hard to say. Oh, let's just keep our 14th overall pick on the bench. But at the same time, if you were going to pick the most alarming piece of your offensive line, it is center. And James Daniels is another option, which I think you have to utilize. But I agree. I think Mason Cole is like exactly what they're looking for in terms of leadership. I love Mason Cole. I think he's a great dude. Uh, Very fun to talk to as just a human being. Um, Just a little insight. He, uh, he, He does not care that Michigan got caught cheating uh it was like i'm pretty sure everybody does that i was like yeah i'm also pretty sure everybody does that um but yeah i i think that is the biggest move steven you were a uh somewhat proponent of starting broderick jones over dan moore moving forward your uh your thoughts on that situation are they making the right move putting dan moore back in there I think so. I, I I don't know. I like it, it was a pretty small sample size for for Broderick Jones and against. I mean, you, you think about it. Yeah, Dan Moore struggled this year, but he was the one who had to face, you know, the Cleveland Browns and the San Francisco Forty Niners. Uh, I don't know if he was matched up on Will Anderson for. I can't remember if he was matched up on Will Anderson for that entire Texans game. But you know, I think. You know, I wouldn't hate to see Broderick in there, but I still think it's the right move to kind of bring him along a little slower. I think. You shouldn't, you know, kind of paint yourself into a corner and get get caught up in the immediate future with, uh, while that might come at the risk of of the of the long term future. So, I think Dan Moore has been good enough to to keep hang on to that starting spot, and until he kind of becomes a disaster, I don't think you can really justify switching him out just yet. Because I, I don't know. I think the reason, the only reason you switch out Broderick or uh, Dan Moore for Broderick Jones full time is if you know for certain that Broderick is is an upgrade over Dan Moore and an upgrade consistently, uh, I'm not sure Broderick can do that over the course of however many games we have left. Yeah, what, 11? Like, yeah, 11 games left. Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 11 yeah. games left. Yeah, and I'm just not sure that's that's reasonable uh, to expect from Broderick uh, for the remainder of the year. At, at that same time... Uh, at the same time, I don't think you're concerned if, like, you know, Dan Moore goes down with an injury and you need Broderick to step in again. But yeah, it would just be a big ask for a guy who's this raw to to be your be your starter down, be your starting left tackle down the stretch. Nick, uh, uh, let me ask you: the Pittsburgh Steelers about to find themselves in maybe a year, maybe two years, in another situation where they're watching Dan Moore absolutely kill it at right tackle because that's where he plays. That's where I mean, he struggled in the summer to play there, but that's because he had to learn how to play left tackle in the NFL, played right tackle in college, should have been a right tackle in the NFL. They're going to find themselves in the same situation in two years where they're like, well, could have had that. But instead, they paid Chooks, what was it, like $10 million a year, $20 million a year to uh, to be, a, I guess, suitable right tackle 
I don't want to. I don't want to get too harsh. Generous. Yeah. So the so the big aspect of playing Dan Moore is the fact that he's just he's a very cheap offensive tackle compared yes. to what Shusakora for is currently. Yes. Their play last year was very comparable. I would not say their play this year has been very comparable because the big thing with Shooks is he's just better at anchoring down on power rushers, and that is just the biggest weakness of Dan Moore's game. He cannot anchor versus power, and I Mm -hmm. worry about that just being a defining fault in his game that just never gets better. So I'm not going to say he can't go on to have success as right tackle or or maybe they're kicking themselves but I will say that it's not like Kevin Dodson where Kevin Dodson was playing on the wrong side and he was just accumulating bad penalties as opposed to being a bad blocker and in this case it's it's like there's too many just not there's too many faults in Dan Moore's game at this point to feel good about you know, potentially what he could become right now, as much yeah. as I want to be a believer in Dan Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we kind of see what, what you get in him. I agree with that one. Um, could be time, not going to be time. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they're going to stick with Dan Moore. That's just that's what they do, man. Patrick Peterson's going to stay on the outside. Dan Moore is going to stay on the left side. And, you know, chances are Montrevious Adams and whoever's going to start over Keanu Benton's going to happen all season long, too, because that's just what the Pittsburgh Steelers love to do. There are issues. There are concerns. The Pittsburgh Steelers are three and two. The LA Rams three and three just barely beat Josh Dobbs, a struggling Josh Dobbs, and the Arizona Cardinals, who were without James Conner. Pushed it out. They're three and three as well. The Pittsburgh Steelers two and zero in the AFC North. They need this one, especially if the uh, Detroit Lions pull one out against the Baltimore Ravens, climb back into first place in the AFC North. I want to talk about keys to victory. Okay, Nick, we'll start with you. Your key to victory for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Week 7, L.A. Rams, your boy Puka Nakua, going out there, balling out as he does. It, continue to ball out. Let me shout out. Shout out to Puka Nakua for after Cooper Cup's return, still being Puka Nakua. Also, very much so enjoy saying that that name right there. Your uh, your keys to victory for the Steelers in Week 7. Um, I think one of the keys to victory is playing Joey Porter Jr. because they're going to have to play Patrick Peterson in the slot and and have to deal with Cooper Cups. So Joey Porter can maybe deal with um, a guy like Puka Nakua. And the thing about Nakua's game is he's more of a physical presence as opposed to a guy who can win with speed. So yeah. Porter can shut that, is the type of person who can shut that down as well as Patrick Peterson. But if you have, if you don't like play Patrick Peterson in the slot, Who's going to be covering Cooper Cup? And that really just concerns me in, in so many aspects. Like, I like I don't want to have Minka Fitzpatrick, as much as I love him, as much as he is an awesome player, I do not want him guarding him one-on-one because I just don't think that's Minka's strength. His strength is being able to play, you know, in-zone coverage and read the quarterback's eyes from yeah. from from the deep third and they just haven't been able to do that because of their you know the the safety situation but also i think the Steelers need to get as much pressure as they can on matthew stafford the reason the rams have lost games at, at mainly like you know to their best opponents like the 49ers and and stuff like that and the eagles is because they just those teams get pressured they get that interior pressure and it's not necessarily that stafford you know, plays bad with pressure. It's more so, you know, he might force a throw that that you might that, that 
or he might take a bad sack in that situation. Yeah. And that's what you want to force Stafford to do because if you just let him sit in the pocket and pick you off, I'm sorry, but the way he's playing this year, he will see yeah. every hole in this defense <laughs> and he will shred you apart. You have got to make sure that guy is uncomfortable in the pocket or yeah. they are just going to flat out get embarrassed. And that's a sad thing to say because I think the Rams are a solid team. They're not a great team, but I yeah. think the Steelers are a all right team with major faults on offense that can't make up for the faults of the defense. So the defense has to play. They have to be the heavy lifter. So, but yeah, make the Rams rely on their run game. Um, Even a guy like, you know, Zach, Zach Evans that they might have to end up relying on because they've been very like, they've been rotating a ton of like backs. They've been bringing guys back like Daryl Henderson. So you could see like a major committee there and I'm not so sure that like as much as they've gotten success out of Kyron Williams that they'll have the same success running with those types of guys. I yeah. do like Zach Evans coming out of um, Ole Miss, um, formerly TCU, but you know he was a six-round draft pick for a reason. You know, definitely yeah. a guy who needs to win himself in the favor of the coaching there. But um, overall, just you know, the three points: play Joey Porter, get pressure. <laughs> have them rely on their run game. That's, yeah. that's how you win. <laughs> yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. So heading into this week, the, the Rams running backs, they uh, have totaled this season, four carries, four running backs, four carries, three of them have zero carries for zero yards. Um, so it could be, could be, a, could be a big one. I agree. You gotta, gotta get pressure on Matt Stafford. You gotta, you gotta be able to shut down Cooper cup, man. That's such a challenge. But if you think Shannon Sullivan's going to be that guy, you're nuts. You know, you're just like, what are you even thinking there? What are you at that point? And, and like, everybody wants to put blame on Austin. It's Mike Tomlin's defense. That's a straight. What are we doing? Mike, you know, you're better than this. You're a defensive backs coach. Make the right call. Steven, your, uh, your keys to victory week seven Rams. Well, I think it's going to be ball control. Um, I think, <laughs> You look at the Rams, uh, they are actually number three in uh, time of possession for drive. Steelers, number 32. Um, I don't think that you can afford to give the Rams a bunch of shots at this defense, especially considering uh, how it's a little banged up right now. If you're missing TJ Watt, that makes things even worse. Um, The Steelers are going to really need to take a step forward with their run game. They're going to need to be able to control the clock and, like I said, just keep it out of the hands of this explosive offense. Um, I think the more opportunities you give Cooper Cup and Nakua uh, to to break some explosive plays, um, I think the worse off you're going to be. And I think yeah. if you can, you know, if, if you're the uh, if you're the Rams, you know, you can kind of exploit the fact that, like you said, these running backs are inexperienced. Uh, they're not going to be able to run the same way as they were with Kyron Williams. You know, Zach Evans, I think, is going to be the fantasy waiver wire pickup of the century. But you know, um, that's just that's more wishful thinking than anything else. So, Dude, shout out Zach Williams because uh, our Zach Evans because you best believe the kid got him. Yeah, both. Oh, weeks. I did. T- oh, I did too. <laughs> I did too. I have Davian Pierce and who's my other running back? Oh, I think Bijan Robinson is on a is on a buy too. So, it's the Zach Evans show this week. Um, yeah, but we have the same exact starting running backs, by the way. <laughs> My team is pretty bad, so that's, I was that's not say, a good that's, sign. That's yeah, a rough starting running back duo this season. So, um, but yeah, so I, I think controlling the clock, keeping the ball in the hands of this this offense that can get explosive in the passing game, is going to be really important. And yeah, if the Steelers can't do that, then 
I, I don't really have high hopes for their their abilities to contain Cooper Cups. So I think it's going to be all about just limiting those opportunities. Yeah, I I mean I agree. You can't thirty seconds. You can't give that. You can't give that much time to Matt Stafford. You just can't. You can't go three and out against Matt Stafford. You can't. You can't do that to Sean McVay. Like you give them more. The more opportunities you give those two, the just the worse the outcome is going to be. You know, it's not. This is this is Kyle Shanahan. Uh, this is this is a spinning image. Kyle Shanahan and, and what he can do if you give him more opportunities. He's not going to waste them. This is not Vegas. This is not Baltimore where mistakes happen. This is, oh, you're going to go three and out five times in a row? Cool. Chances are we score at least once in that time frame because it's, you're not doing anything on offense. Yeah, and it could get late early. You know, like if, yeah. you're, if you're giving them those kind of opportunities, if you're not creating kind of any kind of momentum on offense, it could be a long day and it could get over quickly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, my, uh, my key to victory, one guy, big guy, huge, need him. Yeah. Kenny Pickett. It's got to be Kenny Pickett, man. You... It's been six weeks. Kenny Pickett's played his worst football. He's got no answers to why things are, are going wrong or or why he has the yips or why he's only successful at the end of a game. He's got no answers to any of it. This week you need answers. You don't need him to be perfect. But if this is not if this is not a game where you walk away and say, Oh, Kenny, Kenny was not an issue here. Like or Kenny took a step forward, I think you're you're approaching very dangerous territory of it's the middle of the season. We're heading into week eight. The Steelers, even if they win, like if the Steelers beat the Rams and Kenny Pickett plays terrible, you're at a point where you're like, how long can you go? Like, how good can this team be with a bad quarterback? And how concerning is that bad quarterback? The Pittsburgh Steelers are loyal to a fault. I get that. They're not going to give up on Kenny Pickett. Just like, I mean, if Dan Moore is the starting left tackle this weekend, that's the only example you need of how the Pittsburgh Steelers are loyal to a fault. You got to show something here for Kenny Pickett. Like you got to control the rock. You got to be able to make passes. You got to take advantage of opportunities when those opportunities present themselves. You could not run into situations like, I mean, we were talking before the show, Deontay Johnson in week one has a, a wide open touchdown on a slant route. Kenny Pickett throws it behind him at his, at his knees. You you can't have those. You have one of those that could be the, that could be the game in this one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It, it's got to be Kenny Pickett. He's got to have he doesn't have to have a great game. He's just got to take advantage of the opportunities that come his way. You got to you got to see that this guy's capable of do so, doing something this week. Otherwise, it's going to get ugly and uh, I think you know, you're you're going to you're going to leave this week and come back from the bye week and say, "Oh, okay, well, they're right back where they were, you know, 2 3 weeks ago when they were losing to the Houston Texans." He just has to get the ball yeah, out absolutely. quick because because with Aaron Donald just like he'll be breathing oh, down yeah. his neck and the thing about like Kenny Pickett he he tends to run himself into pressure as yes. pressure happens or when pressure isn't even there so all he has to do is just get rid of the ball quickly and I think the chances for success for this offense go through the roof yes. <laughs> absolutely through the roof <laughs> by their standards obviously but yeah. like we saw a little bit of that um, against the Ravens, he was actually getting the ball out much quicker and it was helping them. There was actually a moment where he thought about like reversing field and going like, and, and like trying to exit back left um, of the, of the pocket. And then he, and then he stops himself like right in that moment. He's like, Oh wait, Nope, never mind. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. And then he throws it away. And I was like, yes, that's the right thing to do. <laughs> Baby that was steps. a beautiful throw away. Thank you. He, 
Thank yes, you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's that's what they're missing. You know what I mean? Kenny Pickett puts them in tough situations all the time. You can't do that. You know what I mean? You already got so many things fighting against you as the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Your quarterback could not make things worse. I think that is uh that's as big as it gets. All right. It's Friday. Pittsburgh Steelers are back. We uh I, I kind of missed this during the bye week, you know, like all I, all you were able to do was make actual bets and nobody wins on the bye week. And by nobody, I mean me, I do not win ever on the bye week. I think I'm like, I've been doing this for five years. I think I'm oh for five. Never want to bet on the bye week. Don't know why your picks. Steven, we'll start with you. Pittsburgh Steelers, LA Rams, four Oh five on Sunday. For those of you out on the West coast, it'll be one o'clock game. Your thoughts on, uh, or your pick, your prediction week seven. Yeah, so last week I picked against the Steelers for the first time all season, and they actually won. They actually, did. shout out! I took a I took a lead on the season total last week. Pretty hyped about that one. Yeah, um, I don't know if I'm doing this as kind of a reverse jinx thing, but I I, I don't really feel good about this game. Um, I think it's going to be twenty three seventeen Rams. I think they're huh. going to win. Uh, I think it's a close game all the way through. I think the Rams win on kind of not a last minute or last second score, but uh, you know. Pretty late in the fourth, I think this game goes pretty deep into into the fourth quarter in the second half. Uh, I don't know how optimistic I am about TJ. Uh, you know, if he doesn't play, I certainly think that's way too much to overcome. If he's limited in really any capacity, I think that's a lot to overcome as well. Uh, I think Pitt uh, Pittsburgh, excuse me, gets off you know gets off a bunch of yards, uh, but kind of struggles in the red zone, and and that's what ultimately ultimately costs them. Yeah, uh, you got a score here? Oh, you said 24-17? 23-17. 23-17. Don't get that wrong. I don't think 23-17 is a bad score. Like, I feel like, you know, that's that's doable, and that's 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 the situation the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, if they don't pull it out in the end there, you're not like, you're upset, but you're like, ah, it wasn't a blowout, I guess. Nick, mm-hmm. what, uh, you're, not that anybody should be happy about a loss. I'm not, I feel like I should take all that back. No, but it's not a good <laughs> score. It sucks. Go ahead, Nick, your, uh, your prediction for this game. Uh, I'm predicting the Rams to win uh, 20 oh, to 12. Oh, man, guys. What are we doing here? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, yeah. No, uh, you're, you're going to have to pick the Steelers and make sure they get uh, – make sure that you don't jinx them. But, uh, I'm yeah, going to. But, um, but uh, when it comes to uh, the, the score, uh, my whole thinking is I think what's going to happen, Rams get off to a really quick start. Offense just jumbled out, out the gate as usual. And Good. then the defense starts to step it up in the – Second half, they get a, they get a safety. The offense scores. Everyone's they get a they get some they get a field goal as well off a Nick's off dropping a safeties off a turnover. You know, okay, they they, okay. they, can, they, they can keep it within one possession, but uh, it could be a little bit too late for them by the time that ends up happening. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna Good. say twenty to twelve. Uh, very untraditional score, but I'm just I think what? I think that's about right. 20 to 12. Okay. We got 23, 16, 20 to 12. What's a, some scores going on here? Okay. Anybody who's taking the over on this game, you're nuts because I mean, they're getting safeties. Okay. This is not, this is by no means, this is everything about the Pittsburgh Steelers, but at the same time, awful. Okay. over two here. I mean, you can't, you just can't, we're a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast people. You can't just get bet against the Pittsburgh Steelers at three for three here. So I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers walk out of here victorious. Everything says that they won't, but the Rams, they struggled against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are playing everybody tough. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 
they're trying their hardest to play people tough. So I'm going to say this is this is one of those games. I think that it, it's it's real simple. I think as the season goes on, Matt Canada will begin to, you know, kind of kind of integrate himself back into what's going on and make this more of a week one week four type of offense week two type of offense. But for this week, I think they went into the bye week. I think Najee Harris and Mason Cole and Jalen Warren and everybody else sat everybody down and said, look it. Okay. We're running the damn football because that's what we do. It's the only thing we do. Well, there's hats made out there. Bill Cower. He, he, there should be a plaque somewhere in Pittsburgh that says run the damn ball because that is what the Pittsburgh Steelers do. Well, I expect them to do that just time and time again in this game. I expect anybody who's out there with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens and thinking, man, these are going to be my fantasy studs this week. You're wrong. It's not going to happen. Najee Harris, heavy dose of Jalen Warren. I think this is a big, you know, this is, this is a big use, use a jumbo package type of game. I fully anticipate this to be a ground and pound football game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's how they're going to win. I don't think it's going to be pretty at all, but I think they'll do enough. Cooper Cup's obviously going to find the end zone. That's just what he does. I'm going to go, man, two touchdowns. That's a lot of freaking touchdowns for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but I want to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go 17 to 14 Pittsburgh. I, I, and honestly, I think that they went on like a last minute drive here. Like I think Kenny puts it in the end zone right at the end there to somebody. I don't know how it happens, but I think that's what's going to happen. Najee Harris or Jalen Warren, I don't know who it is, but somebody's going to hit the end zone for the first time this season. So joyous to them. Uh, but I'm going to, you're all welcome because <laughs> when everybody's wrong, except for me, then we're going up 2-0 in the last two weeks. I'm feeling good about that one, but uh, I'm not letting us walk out of here 0 for 3 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's just not, it's not happening. I'm going 17-14 Pittsburgh. With that, we're feeling good. We're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk, and find all of our work at allsteelers.com. Make sure you go check out Nick's big film review on how the Pittsburgh Steelers can improve their offense. And as always, our pick coverage at insidethepanthers.com. Enjoy, hopefully, my prediction to the game on Sunday as the Pittsburgh Steelers head to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. We will be back on Monday. Enjoy a... Gloomy but beautiful day in the burg. Peace.